Good morning. It's wonderful to see all of you this morning. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Last week, we learned about the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, and how they had turned from the Lord and were not serving the Lord, and God was judging them. And we learned an important truth from Psalm 33. And without looking, can anybody remind me what was the truth we learned from Psalm 33? You can look. Who can help, help me out here? What's the truth we learned from Psalm 33 last week? I'll give you a hint. It's in the last verse. You see it? It's a prayer, isn't it? It's a prayer to God. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. The theme of Psalm 33 is rejoicing in the Lord and hoping in him because he's the one who shows us mercy. Let's pray together. Great God, we give thanks to you for this new day. We give thanks for your word. We give thanks that today we can open it. We can learn from history as you have inspired the record of it. Lord, I pray that we truly would learn from these examples set forth before us. Both learn from those who set good examples and those who set bad examples. Lord, May we most of all, in all things, be reminded today of our need to trust you. We love you now and pray that you will teach us in this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We need to hope in God, don't we? Look here in Psalm 33 and verse 12. It says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now refresh in your mind. Go back to last week. Well, in fact, let's go way back in history to the days of King Joram, the northern kingdom of Israel. They, their capital city is Samaria, and it is currently besieged by Syria. Is Israel trusting God? Yes or no? For the most part, no. There's a few. But as a nation, no. They're doing their own thing, their own way. In fact, even the king claims to worship Jehovah, but it's not really Jehovah he's worshiping. It's himself. And they're in a lot of trouble, aren't they? Remember last week we learned some things about this trouble. If you look here, take your Bibles and turn back to 2 Kings chapter 7. We learned that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, assembled all his host. No longer did the little bands come in and raid the farms and the villages. 
Now those bands all gather together in one mighty host and they come into Israel, to the heart of Israel, to Samaria, the fortress, the capital city of Israel. And they besiege it. And we learned a little bit about this last week, didn't we? What happened in the city? What was something that happened in the city? Does nobody remember? Micaiah, do you remember what happened in the city? You don't remember? Well, if you were there, you would have remembered. There was a famine. There was no food. In fact, we kind of glossed over this last week, but... Do you see what kinds of food they had left over in the city? Look with me at chapter 6 and verse 25. It tells us that the siege lasted until an ass's head, that's a donkey's head, was sold for four score pieces of silver. That's 80 pieces of silver. 80 pieces of silver today is a fortune. And this is what it would cost to buy an ass's head, a donkey's head. How many of you have eaten a head of anything? Some of you have eaten heads of fish, right? How many of you eat the head of your cow? Is there much meat on the head of a cow? They're not much meat on the head of a cow. You, you can, they're not much. How about a donkey? I, you might get a little bit of skin, you know. Maybe the tongue. I don't even want to eat a donkey's tongue. Would you pay a fortune for it? Just to get an ass's head? Oh, and by the way, this is near the end of a famine. Which likely means that this poor donkey died of starvation. Well, you know when someone or something dies of starvation, it gets all shriveled up and skinny. There's not much meat on it. So really, what we're talking about here is is a fortune. A a, a ransom of of (laughs) just lots of money. For hardly anything. And to make matters worse, how are you going to cook it? You know, we think of when we want to cook food, what do we do? We just go turn on the stove, right? And the gas or the electricity flows in and it heats up our pot or whatever we're trying to cook. And we don't even think about it, do we? How many times did you ever turn on your stove and wonder if it would come on? If you did, you probably did something about it within a few days and fixed it. And it was easy to fix. Well, in this day, they would have to use wood or they would have to use, well, one thing they would use is they would use animal dung. And they would use it to burn and to get heat to cook their food or to heat their homes. Well, they didn't usually use dung to cook their food. That sounds gross, doesn't it? Well, in this time... There was nothing else to burn. There was nothing else to cook with. And not only that, but if you could find any, it was saying that a fourth part of a cab, that's a very small amount of, of a dove's dung, 
That's a bird's poop. It would cost five pieces of silver. I mean, we can't even imagine even paying any money for it. Right? How many of you would pay money for dung? Not to cook with, to maybe help my flowers grow. And even then, I wouldn't pay very much for it. But this famine is so bad, so bad, that people are paying fortunes for gross and disgusting things. Remember last week we learned about the mothers who made a plan to eat their children. It was bad. Bad, bad, bad. And you remember Elisha. We're switching up characters all this week. It's something terrible. Our original Elisha's back. Remember Elisha? He was in Samaria. And he was sitting in his house. You can go find a seat up there. All right? And uh, he had some of the elders of Israel with him. Now, if you were one of the elders, can you come join Elisha up in his house? I think Mr. Vanderwerf was one of the elders. Who else were elders last week? Brother Ray, anyone else were elders last week? Well, we can start off with these two, okay? And um, we had the king. And he hears, he hears of the horror that's going on in his city. And do you remember what he said? What he declared? Remember it? He made an oath. He made a vow about something this very day. You all forgot? I know some of you know. You're just being shy. Is Mr. Tool the only one not shy? Yeah. He was going to chop off Elijah's head. In fact, what did, what, what did you say? Go do so and more also to me, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him that day. So the king says, by the end of this day, either Elisha's head's going to be gone, because if his, not, his head's not gone, God take my head. <laughs> and so the messenger, the soldiers, come to Elisha's house, and you remember Elisha knew they were coming, and he warned his men that they were coming, so that by the time that soldier got to that door, oh, no, 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 he couldn't get in. Because Elisha knew they were coming, and he told the elders that they were coming, and he said to them to, to bind it because his master was coming. He knew the king needed to come. And so the king finally shows up, and, and last week it was kind of interesting because I started thinking back and, and I was wondering because they didn't open the door up for the king last week. And, and, I, and I kind of was like, well, you've got to open the door. But I started thinking about it this week. It doesn't really say that they ever opened the door. It just says that they talked to each other. So this week we're going to try it from this perspective. And they yell at each other through the door. Well, we need one other character here. And again, he's not here this week. Uh, we, we need the a lord of Samaria, the, the friend of the king. Who wants to be the lord of, the Samari, of, of Samaria? Who wants to be the lord of Samaria? Nobody wants to be the lord of Samaria. Mr. Densmore, would you like to be the lord of Samaria? Here, here we have this lord of Samaria. And he's with the king.
Now, there's some good lessons to learn here. Did you know that all of us have friends? Do you have a friend? Mr. Densmore's a good friend to have, but today he's got some problems because he's acting the Lord of Samaria. We have friends. You know, we need friends who will make us stronger. We need friends who will make us better people. And here, we've got a problem. We've got this king coming and wanting to chop Elisha's head off. That's the plan. So here they're all together. The tensions are high. There's a big, big problem. So maybe they opened the door. Maybe they didn't open the door. But there was a conversation. And what did the king say? That's the plan. Now he's standing outside the door. And what does he say to Elisha? Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gate of Samaria. Ah, did you hear that? What do you think of that, Lord? Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. Hmm. Elisha has made a promise. Do you see the promise? That tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel. That's one of the smallest coins they had. And two measures of barley for a shekel. They're going to have flour fine flour and regular barley and it's going to be cheap and it's going to be in the gate of Samaria. Now pause for a moment that you have no idea who Elisha is and you have no idea who the Lord is. Because to be blunt, these men knew who the Lord was, but they didn't. They knew who he was up here. They thought they knew who he was, but they didn't know who he was. That's why the Lord of Samaria scoffed. He mocked. Do you see what he said? If the Lord, that's the name Jehovah, would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Now you hear what he's saying? He's saying, in a really mean way, you're insane. You're crazy. He's saying, nobody can make windows in heaven. And 
even if your God could make windows in heaven, would this thing be? If God could open up heaven's windows and pour out grain and barley, fine flour, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's what this Lord of Samaria had to say. Now, was this enough? I, I really wonder what's going on in his majesty's mind and heart here. He has sworn... He has sworn by God that by the end of this day, Elisha's head would be gone. Hasn't he? Right? So now Elisha has not said this afternoon or tonight or right now, which is kind of interesting why you didn't. There's going to be barley. There's going to be fine flour. He says, oh, no, no. Tomorrow... Tomorrow, and not just tomorrow, tomorrow about this time, there's a plan. He, he, they think he's insane. They think he's crazy. But you know what I find interesting? You didn't bust down the door. Do you think that the king could have busted down the door? Or maybe even the door was wide open and they were having this conversation face to face. I don't know. Elisha could be, should be dead, right? Is Elisha going to make it to the next day? What do you think? Is Elisha going to see this food? Or are they going to bust down that door and kill Elisha? How many of you think they're going to bust down the door? Boy, you guys don't understand how bad these kings were. There was nothing surprising about busting down the door. This king didn't have to think twice about killing somebody. So how many do you think he's going to bust down the door and kill Elisha? Oh, one hand. How many of you think that Elisha's going to survive? Why do you think that? He doesn't say he's going to survive. He just says tomorrow there's going to be fine flour. This guy here is mocking it. But Elisha's also said something about him. Elisha says to him, you shall see it with your eyes. With your eyes. That's fascinating here because there's a problem. Because here now, you see this. This is really fascinating. Look again with me. You have to look in your Bibles at chapter 7, verse 1. Elisha says, hear ye the word of the Lord. This is not Elisha's opinion. He says, hear the word of the Lord. But then look what he says. Thus saith the Lord. He's making it doubly crystal clear that what he's about to say is not his opinion, but is from God, from the Lord. Do you know what he's asking for the king to do? To believe the Lord, even though he can't see it. But isn't it interesting that then later on he goes on and says, you will see it? 
Faith is the evidence of things not seen. We have faith. We believe the promises of God, not because we can see it, but because God said it and he is trustworthy. So what happens? Well, we're going to change scenes, all right? You guys go back to your palace, I assume, hungry. Elisha, you know what? He went to bed that night alive. Which again causes me, I asked this question a moment ago, that little question I had about this king and what he was thinking. Why didn't you just kill him? Have you thought about that? Really, did that few words of Elisha keep him from going ahead and killing him? You know what I think? It doesn't say this, so I'm going to give you an opinion. I think Elijah had a reputation of being a teller of the truth and of being a prophet of the Lord. And even though this king hated him, he knew it was true. He didn't want to hope in God. He didn't want to trust in God, even though he knew it was true. Which actually kind of reminds me of me. We know many things and we've seen many things that are true about God. But how many times do we just want to do things our own way? It's important to trust God. So what's going to happen? Well, if you look over here, here I've got some of the camp of, of Samaria set up. And if you look close, there's all kinds of food. But this is outside the wall, not inside the wall. And this food you don't just come up and grab. The whole host of Samaria is in this camp. I have two little tents. Imagine the entire city surrounded with thousands and perhaps hundreds more than 100,000 soldiers surrounding this single city. Well, let me introduce you to, two, to four other people. Here's one of them. And um, I'm going to be one of them. Who else wants to join us? I need two more helpers. You want to come on up here and join us? And, oh, Micaiah wants to come join us? You're going to come, Micaiah, or are you hiding? Is he hiding? I don't know if you can believe this, but this morning he was begging to be my helper. Naomi still wants to be my helper, but it says four men, so Naomi can't be my helper. Well, you know what we are? We're men, right? I need another helper. You going to come up here and help us? Yeah, you. We're lepers. You guys know what lepers are? No. No, you don't. You know what a leper is? Lepers 
were men who had a terrible disease. A disease that many times made it so that they lost their fingers or their toes. It was like a skin disease. It was terrible. And it was really contagious. That's why we're hanging out together. But you know where we're at? We're outside the city. We are in between the city and the Syrians. People are starving on the inside of the city. And um, we don't have much either. Because we're not getting anything from the city. There's no leftovers getting thrown out in the trash these days. And um, there's nothing else out here. We're starving. We're lepers. Can't go in the city. Because if we go in the city, nobody wants to have anything to do with us. So we're just outside the city. You know what? We're really hungry. And one of us starts to think and comes up with an idea. Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. Sound like a plan? What do you think of that plan? A good idea. You think it's a good idea? Yeah. You think it's a good idea? I don't know. The Samaritans, the, the, the Syrians, they're going to see us and they're going to know we're lepers and they're just going to kill us. But you know what? That would be better than starving to death. And we're going to die anyway. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to sneak down to the camp of the Syrians. We're going to sneak. You know where an army crawl is?
Ooh. I haven't had one of these in years. So you know what we do? We take the food and we take gold and we take silver. We take the treasures and we hide it. Let's hide it over in our hiding spot. This is mine, guys. I get the Oreos. And we hide our food. We got lucky. Nobody saw us. And so you know what we did? We snuck back into the camp and we went to a second tent and we took all the treasures out of that tent. The gold, the silver, the changes of garments, the food, Ooh, the food. And we took it and put it in our hiding spot. Something's weird. What do you think? Guys, hang on, hold up. We're sneaking around. We're whispering. We're being quiet. Where are the Syrians? We stand up. We look around this camp. Thousands of tents full of food. Just as if someone was living in them, but nobody is in the camp. Nobody's here. And you know, we start thinking about something else. We start thinking about all of the people in the city, in the city of Samaria. And as we're looking at all of these treasures and all of this food that we have, we start to think and have an idea. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come up upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. All right. We gotta go tell the king's household. You know what? We have good tidings. We have good news. All this good food. There's more of it here than we can eat. There's enough here for everybody. So we're going to go tell the king's household. Now, do you think the king's going to listen to us poor, dirty lepers? We might get ourselves killed. But we have glad tidings. We have good tidings. I mean, you guys may not think an apple is very special. Imagine if you hadn't eaten anything for weeks. How special this apple would be. Well, here they are. Should we? Should we go back? Should we tell them? So we call the porter. Who's the porter of the city? Who's the porter of the city? Porter, porter. 
The porter's the guy at the city. Are you going to be the porter? You wouldn't believe it. The Syrians are all gone. Go tell the king. Go tell the king. Go tell the king. The Syrians are gone. Well, now if you were the king of Israel and news came to you that all of the Syrians were gone, what would you think? News comes to you, your majesty. The lepers say, we came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. Now, what do you think? Maybe the king is like, oh, this is exactly what Elisha was talking about. Right? The Syrians are gone. This is exactly what Elisha was talking about. But now, actually, not all foolishly, he remembers some other things. You see, this is a common military strategy. Do you know that? The whole city is starving. Listen to what the king is concerned about. I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore, as they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. Ah. He's smart. He, he, he's smart. This was a common military strategy. In fact, this is a strategy similar to what Joshua had used with the city of Ai. It's, used, it's been used all the time. To deceive the people to let down their guard to come out of the city to open the gates so then you can sneak in. So what do you think? Is that the case? Well, there's a wise servant. Can I be the servant? Comes to, hears this, comes to his majesty, says to him, let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain which are left in the city. Behold, there is all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed. Let us send and see. Go and see. So that's what we do. We don't have very many horses left in the city. Remember, we're selling horses' heads, donkeys' heads. He says here, <laughs> our, our horses are consumed like everyone else is consumed. They're not very strong, very great horses. They got two. It's implied only two. So they send these horses out. And they went out, out of Samaria, through the Jezreel Valley, down into the Jordan Valley, all the way to the Jordan River. And lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast off in their hastes. There's all kinds of treasures 
and possessions and supplies that are just scattered in the fields and in the roads and in the byways all the way to the Jordan River. There's no Syrians hiding in the fields. There's no Syrians hiding in the woods. There are no Syrians. So what happened? What happened? Well, we skipped a verse. Look back at verse 6. It tells us that in that night, the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel have hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. They're terrified that now they are besieged and surrounded by the Hittites and the Egyptians and they're all dead meat. They hear this army. The Lord made them hear it. It's also interesting that the Lord made them hear it, but nobody in the city heard it. That's interesting. And they flee. They fled. They arose, it says, and they fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. They fled. Now, what does this remind you of? Mm, it reminds me of when Elisha was over in Dothan. Did you guys hear about Elisha and Dothan? When the Syrian band came to get him at Dothan, and Elisha knew that the hills and the mountains all around was an angelic host. <laughs> you know what? On this day, apparently, I can imagine a little bit, that angelic host just stomped their feet and rattled their sabers, and only the Syrians heard it, and the Syrians fled in terror. Oh, my. Well, the messengers who had gone and seen that there were no Syrians, they came back to the king and they reported to the king. They told him, lo, the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast off in their haste. There's no Syrians. And look with me there at the end of verse 16. Or verse 16, it says, the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. Spoiled, it means they took everything that was there. So not just the four leprous men, but the whole city poured out into the camp of Syria. And they began to bring back in the food from the camp. And look what it says there. A measure of fine flour was sold for, can you guess? Can any of you have any idea how much of measure of fine flour was sold for? How much? A shackle. How do you know that? Because that's what Elisha said would be the case. Oh, yeah. How about the barley? Two measures of barley were sold for a shekel. But you know, I just now said to her, that's what Elisha had said. Was that true? Is that what Elisha had said? That's a trick question. Do you know that's a trick question? So what's the other answer? 
God had said. And that's exactly what it says at the end of verse 16. According to the word of the Lord. Well, everybody's coming to get food. But what about that um, Lord of Samaria? The Lord upon whose hand the king leaned? What happened to him? Well, we're not going to act this part out. But the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. It means he was in charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate. And he died as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. It came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of flying flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? <laughs> and he, Elisha, said, behold, Thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And look at verse 20. And so it fell out unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. The people were so desperate to get food that they pushed him over. He fell, and instead of stepping over him or going around him, they trampled him. That's a terrible way to die. According to the word of the Lord, God judged him that day, the scoffer. Thank you, helpers. You can go back to your seats. I call this Lord, I keep calling him a scoffer. You know why I call him a scoffer? Well, because that's what he is. But do you see what a scoffer is? A scoffer is one who hears the truth, perhaps knows the truth, and perhaps even to a degree, believes the truth, knows it to be true. But he makes fun of it. He makes little of it. No matter how much evidence is presented to him, no matter how reliable the information is, no matter how authoritative it is, nah. there are many things that God has revealed to us and we need to beware that we be not scoffers. Be serious. And we also need to be aware that as messengers of God, as we proclaim and deliver the word of God, we'll meet scoffers. Over in 1 Peter, I'm sorry, um, 2 Peter, chapter 3 and verse 1, Peter wrote, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that's interesting. There's something important for us to know. Now, soon we'll come to exegete and to study these first two verses, which are packed full of very interesting information. But there's something we need to know as we're dealing with people. That there shall come in the last days, the days we live in, scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of Jesus coming? 
For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. <laughs> to, to translate that into the, um, into the words of, of the scoffer, the Lord of Samaria, things continue as they were. God doesn't intervene in the world ever. Elisha, what you've said is crazy. It is as crazy as that fairy tale, or so the scoffer says, about Noah's flood. <clears throat> the whole world covered with water. That's silly, says the scoffer. The windows of heaven opened up and raining till the whole world is covered. <clears throat> that can't happen. All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. There's a fancy term for this called uniformitarianism. And guess what? The scoffer, the Lord of Samaria, was just like this. God doesn't intervene. God doesn't intervene. Look at Peter, what he says. For this they willingly are ignorant of. They're willingly ignorant. It doesn't mean that they just don't know. The scoffer is one who has information, knows what is true, but willingly decides, I don't know that. Prove it. Da. And what are some of the things they're willingly ignorant of? That by the word of God, the heavens were of old. And the earth standing out of the waters and in the waters, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. These scoffers say, you say Jesus is coming back. Ha! Things continue as they were. He doesn't intervene. These scoffers say creation, God created everything. Ha! No. God doesn't intervene even in creating things. The flood, when the world was overflowed with water, this isn't talking about Genesis 1, 1 and 2. This is talking about Genesis 6 when the flood of Noah Nah, these scoffers beware. And this is an important challenge to all of us who deal with scoffers. That the heavens and the earth which now are by the same word are kept in store, reserved into fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. There is a day of judgment coming. That scoffer in the days of Elisha experienced just what's recorded there, physical death. There's a great judgment of scoffers. So it's two lessons. Don't be a scoffer. And two, when you work with scoffers, be aware of it. Be aware of it. And it's going to result in us living godly lives. And it's also, though not explained directly right here in this immediate context should cause us to be ever more faithful to proclaim the good news. Turn with me. We have so little time to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. How can people be saved from this eternal judgment? Well, it tells us in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. These lepers here, they were gathering all of this stuff and these treasures and they were bringing them and hiding them 
in their place. Hey, moms of these boys, they must not care much about clothes. They didn't take any of the clothes and hide it. They just took the gold and the silver and the food. They must have too many clothes. But you have them. They were there collecting all of this. And this was good news, good news. They had right there before them the very things needed to save people's lives. And that's what caused them to immediately, before even the night was up, to go to the porters, to cry out that the news gets to the king and gets to the city. There's food, there's food, there's hope, there's help. We have an earth reserved for a day of judgment, of fervent heat and melting. And did you know that we have good tidings? Tidings that are a lot better than what the lepers had. Incredible, amazing good tidings. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that wonderful news? That's good tidings. But look at verse 14. Romans 10. We memorize Romans 10, 13, don't we? Very important, awesome verse to memorize. But let's keep it in context. It's not actually a verse that was written originally to the lost. It was written to believers. Because believers know this good news. The believers have these good tidings. And how shall they call on him in whom they have not? believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things here it is we have good tidings of good things. Do we share it? Let's be like the lepers and share the good tidings of Jesus Christ. We have good tidings of everlasting life. These guys were worried about just today. Do we share the good tidings of everlasting life? Let's make it a point of doing so, okay? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the good tidings that you have given to us. And may we go forth as faithful witnesses, preachers, sharing and telling of your good news. Lord, I pray this morning that there be many who have not believed have not called upon the name of the Lord, have not been saved, that today they would believe in Jesus, you who died for their sins, was buried and rose again so that they could have everlasting life. Dear Spirit of God, move in each of our hearts and use us. Use us as your messengers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.